A major part of our relationship with Jesus is him just stirring the pot in our lives, shaking things up, making us uncomfortable. And if that doesn't happen in our walk with God, never uncomfortable, it's a sign. Maybe we're not following Jesus closely because as we're going to see in this chapter here, Jesus stirs the pot big time. Because comfort is the enemy of growth and he wants you to grow. So he'll, he'll be stirring your pot this That's next right. year. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. We're in Mark chapter two today. Yesterday, we saw Jesus start get his ministry launched. He calls a couple of disciples. He tells people, hey, now's not the time to announce who I am yet. Something's kind of brewing here, but we're not ready for launch. But some momentum is growing. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you go, you know, I guess in a sense, he, his ministry was launched, but he was not announcing so much. I guess it would be a better way to understand this. He wasn't he wasn't saying, this is who I am. He was starting yeah. to teach and to heal people, and that was creating that momentum, but he wasn't ready yet to say, I am the Son of God. Yeah. Yep. Why don't you go ahead and get started, Junior? Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, so this is the town right on the Sea of Galilee, yeah. would have been his home base, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. And we're, we're actually thinking that might have been Peter and Andrew's home, which if that is the case, we know where that house is. The reason we think it is a case is because very early on, even uh, late first century, that there's evidence of there being some kind of a Christian shrine built over that house. And then it, then another, ho- another church was built over it later on and multiple churches over that site. Now there's yeah. this huge Catholic church. Yeah. It looks like a flying saucer built over it. That's right. <laughs> but it, but we can still see the remnants of that first century dwelling. Yeah. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, which would have been mm. wild to see. Yeah. You have a paralyzed man just dangling from the <laughs> ceiling. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And it wasn't based on the faith of the person being healed, but the people that brought yeah. that brought the man to Jesus. Which is an odd statement, though, if you think yeah. about it. Here's a paralyzed man dangling from the ceiling, and Jesus says, okay, all right, your sins are forgiven. It's like, oh, wait, hold on, he can't move. But Jesus says, no, 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 the biggest issue this man has is not his physical ailments, it is his spiritual ailments. Yeah, and I think that people wrongly believe that this man was paralyzed because of his sin. And then it may have been the case, but it kind of takes me back to, you know, when, when the disciples asked Jesus that question, is this man lame because of his sins or his parents' sins? And, but Jesus always went to the core issue and the core issue here for all of us, whether we have any kind of a physical disability or we've got financial trouble or there's things that we want to accomplish this next year, the real core issue is our relationship with God. And the main problem this man had was that he was cut off from God because of his sin, yeah. as all of us are. And he needed Jesus. We need Jesus. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting here thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Which is true. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man should have been a term from Daniel referring mm-hmm. to um, God in flesh. Yeah, born the Messiah to come was referred to as a, because it was God becoming the son of a human being. Yes. That's why the son of man is, yeah. otherwise we're all sons of men. Right. 
Though I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, jumped up. He was an, yeah. a man with atrophied legs. Instant healing. Yes. It wasn't slow no. healing. It was At, instant. Atrophied legs, jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out, the, walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed. Yep. Praise God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Mm. You want to take it to verse 13? You bet. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaea, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Levi got up and followed him. And that's where the stirring of the pot would have been. Here's a tax collector who would have been considered, and he was in many senses just a traitor to the Jewish people. And Levi, it was Matthew, that yes. Levi, Matthew, same yeah. same person. Yep. And he would have been a wealthier individual. And it's, it's kind of funny when you think about Peter was called just before this as a fisherman. And they were in business for themselves. They would have been trying to dodge the tax man. You got the tax man who's trying to take their hard-earned money away from them for Rome. And they would have viewed him as a traitor. And now they're part of the same posse following Jesus. Talk about stirring the pot and making things uncomfortable, though. This would have ticked off the disciples. (laughs) And it does make you, it does, let me just pose this question real quick. Is there anybody in your life where if they all of a sudden started following Jesus, would it bother you a little bit? Mm. And and maybe that seems like a ridiculous question. It's like, of course not. But I don't know. There's some people, maybe it's a boss or that coworker you just don't get along with that you're just not necessarily Jesus to. What if Jesus wants to call them through you? Yeah. So later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home for as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of, of his this kind among Jesus' followers, because these would have been all outcasts from the Jewish community because they were viewed as people that either the tax collectors, traitors, or probably partiers, and probably prostitutes, and just people that were outcasts because of their sin. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And the fact is, all of us are sick. That, right. That's the yeah. truth. All of us are sick. What he was pointing out to them is, you guys think you're healthy, and that's why you don't think you need a doctor. I have come to call those who, I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And when uh, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. Of course, they're celebrating. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Which did happen. You had the disciples fasting after Mm -hmm. Jesus left. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away with the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Which is some great stuff I'd love to apply there. But again, this is supposed to be a reading podcast, not an explanation of every little detail, but there's some great truths in that. Uh, then uh, verse 23, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? I mean, they turned everything into work. All they're doing is like skimming off the, the grain off of the, you know, the plant as they're walking along the field. And they went, oh, that's work. That's harvesting. 
Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And of course, the whole point Jesus is going to be making here is that God doesn't want people to starve. And then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. Of course, giving us the rest that is necessary and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. We weren't, we weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for us at this point. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Yeah, what I do love about this is the Pharisees were just, you know, as we see the whole text, so legalistic, so into rules. And not that Jesus is against the rules because as the gospels say, Jesus followed the rules. Um, but but it wasn't about the rules to him. And often yeah. we make we we get so into rules because it, there's a bit of an image to it. If I can just mm-hmm. kind of check off this, check off this, I'm doing better than somebody who isn't checking off those. Yeah. Yep. And Jesus, it's not about the rules, it's about the relationship. Absolutely. Here. Yep. All right. Uh, so we're in Psalms. So we're gonna today is uh, Psalm four and five. We did Psalm one, two, and three yesterday. Very just great practical Psalms. Today, again, good psalms. I want us to take us all the way to the end of the reading for today, verse 12 of of Psalm 5. And verse 12 says, For you bless the godly, O Lord, surrounding them with your shield of love. Now, here's how I picture this verse. And it's such a great verse. That is, that when we are with God, it's like when when we are with him, walking with him, that he is our shelter. It's a little bit by, bit like carrying an umbrella in the rain. That you can be walking in the rain. There can be problems all around you, but you've got this shelter. You've got something over you that's protecting you. But as soon as you walk out from underneath that umbrella, it's like, Junior, when you were little, you know, if we were walking in the rain, I'd be carrying an umbrella and you'd be walking with me. But there'd be times because you were an antsy little boy and you'd want to be, you know, jumping over here and running over there. You'd, you'd run out from underneath the umbrella and what would happen? Well, you get, get wet. Yeah. You get wet. And it's kind of the picture that we have here that as long as we're walking with him, we receive his shelter, his protection. That's the blessing that the godly receive by walking with him. Things falling apart all around us. And yet we've got the shelter of God in place. Yeah. But when we leave God, we open ourselves up to everything that Satan and this world and evil people have to send at us. So are you under God's umbrella? And, and really the way to, to kind of think through that is, am I leaving the leadership that he's put over me? Am I mm. submissive uh, to them? Am I honoring yeah. uh, to those around me? Um, because if I'm always just trying to, you know, buck, buck the systems, yeah. there is... You know, and, and yeah, we did. We just did read a chapter where it looked like Jesus was bucking the system, but he wasn't. He was still. Well, he was the author of the yeah, system. He was the as author well. of the system, of course, <laughs> but he was also still submissive to God yeah. and following those rules. Yeah, and that does matter. It absolutely does. And Paul talks about this in Romans as well that we have a a shelter of authority placed over us. When you buck that authority, you lose the protection that God offers. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a bunch of dumb stuff for National Day today, Dad. <laughs> I did find, though, that this is interesting, and it did remind me of a story of you 50 years ago today. 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. 50 years ago today. Um, I was 12. <laughs> the uh, Nixon signed the Emergency Highway Energy Conservation Law into act to lower all the speed limits oh, to 55. Oh, I remember that. And, I, and I, I wanted to bring that up because I remember you telling me that your mom would have you hold a cardboard <laughs> sign saying, we're driving 55, uh, right? Yeah, to save 
gas are you? Was, oh man, <laughs> such a bad memory. <laughs> so old were you? Like, you had to be 13 years old at the Tw- time. I was 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I remember, yeah, all the speed limit laws. It's kind of funny though, because if we were late, forget it. It wasn't 55. It was 75. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of hypocrisy when it comes to that. That's funny. Well, to d- celebrate the day, maybe make a cardboard sign, give it to your kid to yeah. hold up in the window, <laughs> and maybe it'll turn out like Pastor Scott Ziegler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, make it a good day today, yeah, and God we'll bless. see you tomorrow.